0: Hello. You are listening to uh, How the F Do I Podcast with Marta and Ben.
1: Hi, Ben.
2: Hi, Marta. How are ya?
1: I am okay. How are you?
2: I'm good. I am good. Life seems to be getting back to normal again, so I'm pretty excited.
1: Thank Christ on a cracker. <laughs>
2: what? <laughs> what did you just say?
1: I said, thank Christ on a cracker. Is that not a saying that you know? <laughs>
2: No, not at all. Not at all. That sounds like a like a mom quote or something. <laughs> totally. I
1: don't. I don't know what it is, but we can blame it on the moms, sure.
2: Yeah, we'll just blame it on the moms. But yeah, we're excited to be back with another episode on season three of How the F Do I podcast. We're really excited to kind of keep this thing moving along. You know, obviously, life is starting to get back to normal again. So Marta and I are continuing to stay separated, but are motivated to want to bring real life advice to all of our listeners, um, especially during this time, because life is getting back to normal again. It feels more essential than ever right now.
1: We're back and give us a little bit of grace since we don't have all of our same in-person audio smoothness, but that's okay. We're, We're making the best out of it. And Ben is incredibly excited about this episode. Ben is fired up about this topic.
2: This is such a perfect time to be getting into this topic because I have been talking about this all year. So Marta, I mean, do you kind of want to introduce our guest?
1: Oh, it would be my honor and privilege. Our guest today is Alex Magner. She is a CFP and a financial expert, and she's here to tell us how the F do I adult with my money? Essentially, we want to understand about personal finance 101, how do you plan for the future, Alex is an expert in this field. She specializes in financial advice for a variety of financial challenges, um, including budgeting, saving for retirement, student debt, including how do you overcome certain challenges for the LGBTQ community? We are so excited to have her here. Welcome, Alex.
0: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here,
1: Ben and Marta. Well, let's dive in because Ben has a lot of questions and we'll probably go off script.
2: I have a lot of questions, so is probably going to keep me on track here.
1: I'm a Capricorn and I have my work cut out for me today, I can tell, to keep us on track. So I'm going to start us off on track. So Alex, for those that don't know, what is a CFP?
0: That's a great question. So I actually just became a CFP. This was my uh, COVID project. And so a CFP is a Certified Financial Planner Certification. And it's kind of the gold standard in financial planning. It's been around for 30 years. So there are education, ethics, and experience requirements. And so I studied my butt off and then actually sat in a room with about 30 other people in person in February to take a five-hour test, just me and my financial planning calculator, and passed that. I was very happy to be able to add the letters after my name.
1: Congratulations on your new title and letters. That's very important. Thank you. Why is this work important to you? Why did you get into this field?
0: It's a really good question. So my background was very different. My 20s, I was an environmental activist. I was a journalist. uh, And then I spent about a decade working in the bicycle industry for a a mission-driven company. And I really got passionate about mission-driven business and how you can make a real impact Through businesses that are run well, care about the environment, care about their employees, have a positive impact on the world. As I was looking for sort of my next stage, I realized one of the things that I I had become a resource for was you know the successful women around me came to me for financial advice. Right, hey Alex, how are you investing your four hundred one k? Negotiation conversations, career conversations. I really liked you know helping people in that way and helping people make a difference with their money. And at the same time, my brother Charles was a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley, and he was looking for a business partner. And we took a long road trip together where we both talked about you know, career changes and what we wanted to be doing and and decided to work together. That was how I became a financial advisor.
2: That's crazy because I love talking to people who make career changes. Before we like get into the details, like what was that change like for you to transition into a whole different career?
0: I mean, it was a massive change, right? So the bicycle industry was, you know, my when I dressed up, it was clean jeans, a clean t shirt, uh, you know, lots of socks and sandals, dogs at work, like very tech industry. But I also traveled a ton. So I was the VP of sales, I traveled, you know, at least a week, every month, which was tough being away from my kids. So part of but the switch was to be able to not have to travel as much. But I also wore a suit to work every day, which was a huge change, right? I'd never worn a suit before, you know, going in and starting as an advisor. So yeah, it was a, it's a massive cultural change, but huge change for my family in being able to just not have a boss, set my own work schedule. And it's been a lot more flexible having grade school kids.
1: I can understand that. Flexibility, especially with working parents and right now, is so paramount. Um, and Ben, I have had the pleasure and honor of seeing um, Alex and Charles give financial advice. They're both incredible. So it's, it was really fun. When I got to meet Alex, I got to meet Alex and Charles together.
2: That's amazing. That's awesome. And I think it's like a perfect segue into this topic, too, because, you know, one of my main goals in life is to become financially free and to be able to become financially free in order to set your own schedule. So, I, you know, even you going down that route and having that mindset, I think, is going to be a really important kind of topic within this podcast. So that's awesome. So, I mean, one of the things that I wanted to just jump into is, you know, for me, my entire 20s and into my mid 30s. You know, I've always had this mindset of not really saving, uh, rather so being having this mentality of you only live once, take all the experiences you can get, spend all you can. Recently, obviously, I've completely switched my thinking. And so I wanted to ask you, Alex, like, you know, why do you think that it's important for everyone to start planning for their future?
0: One of the things that I've discovered in doing this work as an advisor is that, so the research shows that people think about their future self as a stranger. Like, if you think about Ben, right, you're like, okay, I'm making pretty good money. Should I save this for some stranger in the future that I don't even know? I don't know future Ben, right? Why would I take care of future Ben instead of current Ben? And so it's like, it is hard behaviorally for people to do that. and. You know, I get to see people in a variety of financial situations and I'll tell you that no one wants to be 85 on a budget. You know, you do not want future Ben to have to go on a budget at 85. You know, that's why it's important to save so that you can make choices.
1: That is so fascinating. And I also just, it's such a good way to think about it that I've never heard before. Also, I envision future Ben is like Ben mid forties. He's got this nice set of hair now. Maybe it's gone. There's lots of children. I I can see future Ben. (laughs) (laughs)
2: I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I am very interested to get to know future Ben much, much better and for him to not be a stranger. And I think that is a fantastic way of looking at it. No one has ever put it that way especially as you get older, just like getting to know yourself even more and knowing where you want to go, who you want to be. It's that kind of that mentality of once you kind of figure that out, how do you accomplish that goal? Again, I think that just goes back to this is how you can prepare yourself now to be in that position to not live on a budget at 85. And that's that to me, that doesn't sound like future Ben would be a stranger anymore. So I, that's a fantastic way of looking at it.
1: Something else that I really, um, it stuck with me when I saw Alex speak before was this concept of money values. So when I saw Alex speak, she was talking about everyone has money values based on how you grew up, your relationship to money. And it's true, everyone's situation with money is different. And Alex suggested that people should list their money values. So I thought, Alex, can you talk about that concept and why it's important and why it's important to
0: list your money values? We all have a money story. right? We all have a story that we tell ourselves about money, whether, you know, money is for greedy people. You know, I spend money when I'm feeling sad and it makes me feel better, right? So all of these stories that we have, and that comes from our family of origin, right? That comes from how we grew up and we either reject that and build a new path, or we really take that story and those values on. And so part of adulting with money, right? Part of of making your own story around money is to define for yourself, you know, what's the story I want to write and what are the values that I'm going to center as I'm spending, saving, investing, using money. Right. And so you know, it's, I've actually done some workshops where we write, you know, my old story was my old story about money was, and my new story is going to be what, what are the things that I'm going to, I'm going to center. And so, you can, right, you can either list values, right? Like Connection, adventure, authenticity. And I go one step farther and say, I like to write what is the story, right? And so like for me, you know, money is something that allows me to live you know, a calm, connected life with my family, right? That allows me to have choices now and in the future about you know how I spend my time.
2: Okay, so I, that's, amazing because I think that you touched on something that I think is really important and something that I've really realized is time. And I think time is probably our most valuable asset that we have, you know, just five minutes ago is gone. And I think writing down those kind of money values of who you want to be and how you want to spend your time in the future will help kind of shape how you should prepare for that from a financial standpoint. Is that, is that kind of the idea that you're getting at?
0: Yeah. I think it's, people tend to start with goals, right? I want a new car. I want to buy a house. I want to, you know, save 15% of my income. I want to go on vacation, but you know, what's the meaning behind it, right? How does that connect to the life that you want to build? And so if time and flexibility of time and choices around time are important to you, like maybe you shouldn't buy an expensive car, right? Even though that you think that's what you want, right? And so it's, you know I think centering those values, right what the life you want to build around money can help you determine what are the goals, right? What is that next step? So I less and less talk to clients about retirement because who knows when they want to retire, but what is more tangible about is when is work optional? Right? When can work be optional? When do you have enough saved that you don't have to work again and you can live off your investments? And so then, You know, Ben, you might say like, "Hey, I'm I want to buy a big house." I I would say, "Well, Ben, that pushes back your work optional date by five years. Is that worth it to you?" So you can make a determination based on that time, right? What's that time and money trade off, right? Does that now matter
2: more, or does that future matter more?
1: Ben's mind is blown because he's quiet. (laughs)
2: I know, I know. I'm just processing all of this because honestly, like I'm taking this episode as if I was a listener myself, you know? So like, it's interesting to hear this from a professional like yourself, Alex, because it's validating a lot of the things that I think about on a, on a daily basis now. I mean, one of the things that, you know, at least for me is, is knowing that I, I want to be financially free. And what I've noticed with a lot of people at least my age that have reached that goal or are close to reaching that goal, even when they get to that point, you want to work harder. And, you know, it changes kind of your values and how you look at life. And again, for me, time seems to be the most important thing. And so it just kind of opens up more opportunities to like, what can you get to next? And it just kind of like starts rolling into into one another where now you're just like living. I want to get into like the steps for anyone to start to like, figure out how to position themselves to live, to to have their money values for where they want to go. So, Alex, can you kind of talk about some easy, tangible steps that someone can take if they're sitting down listening to this episode, have never thought about this before? What are some steps that they can take to start financially planning?
0: So the, the very first step is understanding what is your current state, right? Where are you at now? And how I look at that is is what do you own and what do you owe right so what do you own so you like look at your accounts if you've got those you know old orphan retirement accounts from you know the job you had when you were 22 go find it right track it down look and see you know, what are the balances um you know what are the passwords right <laughs> get into the accounts get those usernames and passwords um what's the balance what is it invested in Right. What do you have? How much are you contributing right now? What do you have in cash? Right. What do you have in in your your savings account? And then what do you owe? what, is, what does your debt look like? So mortgage, student loans, credit cards, uh, personal debt, uh, auto loan. Right. And again, how much? Right. What are the interest rates and what are you paying each month? Right. So that's the first step is to say, where are you at right now?
1: So one of the things that I think people always talk about is like, okay, the first thing you need to do is start your emergency fund. Right. So like, what's the difference? Like, should we do an emergency fund? What's the difference between an emergency fund and a rainy day fund? What's your thought there?
0: Yep. So so I I think an emergency fund and a rainy day fund to me are the same. It's your cash cushion. You do want to have an emergency fund, right? I think COVID taught everybody that, like you really do need an emergency fund, right? Income can stop right away no matter how secure you think your job is. And so my recommendation is that you have enough cash to cover running your life, so mortgage or rent, you know, utilities, transportation costs, rice and beans, basics for 3 months if you've got two grown-ups in your house working or 6 months if it's just one person covering the expenses for the household, right? You just keep that in cash, right? You just keep that somewhere that's safe where you can access, somewhere it's liquid. Under normal circumstances, I would recommend you put it somewhere where you're earning some interest, but there is no interest to be earned right now for the most part. So keeping that in your regular savings account so that you can access it for, you know, you broke your arm, you got broken up with, it's a true emergency fund, right? Taking a vacation is not an emergency. Totaling your car is an emergency.
2: Yeah, so I mean, just to like reiterate, like you said, it, it should be an account that you can easily access, but that is earning some interest. Understanding that that account over time with inflation will Lose value because of as money, you know, as inflation goes, but that is not the point of the, that account. That account is for you to take care of yourself if something, if you lost your job or as you said, broke your leg or, you know, got in a car accident or, or, or something like that. Do you think that it's important to have more than your three months of just your monthly expenses? Should you have like spending money as well? Tied into that emergency fund, or do you think it should just be your monthly expenses added up for three, three to six months?
0: Yeah, and that's a that's a great question. So I think so, cash on hand is a deeply personal thing, right? So I have known people who have their emergency situation. What they're afraid of is you know a relative dies in another country, right? And so they want to be able to have enough airfare to buy a plane ticket at a moment's notice internationally, and so that's going to be you know they're carrying more cash on hand some people have a more aggressive risk tolerance and want less cash right so uh, there is wiggle room but you know your emergency fund should be able to make you feel safe then other cash i'd say you know checking account you know 110% of your your credit card bill or your total expenses each month right you want to have some cash cushion in your checking account so, no one after ever has to worry that they're going to overdraw. And then, you know, if you've got bigger expenses on the horizon over the next six, 12, 18 months, those can make sense to keep in cash. You've got friends that are getting married and it's going to be in Costa Rica. Sure, keep that money in cash. Save that money up in cash. You're building a deck or you've got a home remodel project. Sure, right? Save that money up in cash and keep it in cash. But you shouldn't have much more
2: than that got it no it's that's, that's a really good tip and yeah i i think just that you know you touching on the rainy day versus the emergency fund i've had so many conversations that you need both but i think just to conclude an emergency and a rainy day fund really kind of are the same thing you can have a travel fund or you know an a, something else to like build to, for those, you know, if I want new golf clubs and you can put that to save for that, but emergency and a rainy day fund, you can essentially look at it as the same thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can have a goal fund, right? You can have a right golf clubs, bike, right? Vacation. You can have a goal fund that you're saving into, but it's not for a rainy day, right? It's for something specific.
2: I like the goal fund. That's where we're, we're, we're going to blow up the goal fund. Hashtag goal fund. That's great. So an emergency fund and a goal fund, everyone.
1: Emergency fund or or a rainy day fund and a goal fund, depending on your money values and your language around it. Something else I think is going to blow your mind, Ben, that I've heard Alex talk about is the 50-30-20 rule. Alex, can you tell us about this rule?
0: Yes. Yeah, so the 50-30-20 rule is a, is a budgeting rule. And so it is you know that you should be spending 50% of your monthly income on Needs right your your fixed costs every month. Thirty percent is wants so vacation, fun stuff, and then twenty percent is for future you. Right, twenty percent is, and so that would be money going to retirement. If you're you know saving to buy a business, if you're you know the, the goal fund right could go in and fund the goal fund but that's the the future you either retirement or before. Now, anybody that's listening that lives in a you know a high housing cost city is going to say, are you kidding me? Right, 50% of my income like, I pay way more than 50% of my income on housing costs, right? And so it does depend on you know what your income looks like, you know what what are the the housing costs of the city that you live in. But I think this is a good way to to break down a budget. I'm not a fan of line item budgets. I think you know, the idea that you, people need to have an itemized budget that's tracked monthly in order to be smart with money, that's a pretty high bar. And most people are not going to track their budget at that level. But if you can break it down at a high level like this and say, hey, right, of my income, how much is going to the basics, right? How much is going to needs, what's going to wants? And what's going to be saved for the future then you've got a much better understanding of of where your money's going
1: i love that and i'm going to use this to replay to my husband who is always like you don't do a line item budget and it's funny because i do them for work and i'm very good about every dollar for work but like that for some reason i have a hard time doing that for my personal expenses and i don't know why but i feel great that that is some advice that you gave because i agree i know general big picture And that's sort of how I think about it.
2: Yeah. And for me, you know, I I think it's just it's a good base to kind of understand like where your money should go, because everyone does want to save. And we, you know, my conversations, everyone's always I want to save as much as I can, but also, not really understanding how much they should or or where they should put it at, at what time. So to ha- understand 50, 30, 20, at least gives a really great base to like look at your overall budget and then you know base it off of where you're at right now and and, and adjust in that way. I've never heard that rule. That's that's an amazing way of looking at it.
0: I will say though that if someone right now is saving eight percent of their income, you just can't tomorrow. You cannot go to saving twenty percent, right? Like that would be overwhelming, right? And so that's why for most workplace 401ks, you can set your contribution to increase every year, right? So you can set it to increase by 2% per year. So that can can happen slowly over time without overwhelming you, right? And without making you feel like you're broke right away. You know, getting to that 20% is not easy for most people. And it's totally fine to move to that over time.
2: Alex, would you consider the percentage that you put into your 401k from your paycheck, would you consider that money that's part of your income or would you would you apply the 50-30-20 to what you take home?
0: Awesome question. It is a, your workplace retirement or any retirement contributions would be part of that 20%.
2: It's
1: future you, Ben. That's future that's future Ben.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, like that, that's another thing that I've really, you know, delved into more is, you know, the the benefits that your company could provide from the 401k. And, and you know, I, I've found that it's very important to try and max the percentage of what you put in based off of what my company will will match up to a certain percentage. And that's that's free money that, you know, I, I no one thinks about because it comes right out of your paycheck, right? You don't even see it. But then they add on top of that. That's again, that's paying into this strange ben in the future that <laughs> I think is is very, very valuable. So the four oh one K compared to the IRA, should you be contributing into your IRA right away? Because obviously the four oh one K that comes out of your paycheck right away. But the IRA you have to contribute yourself, right?
0: Yeah. And this is where like the financial industry just loves these acronyms and codes, right. That refer to different sections. So, you know, 401k, 403b, if you're a teacher or work for a nonprofit, you know, SEP IRA, Roth IRA, traditional IRA, simple IRA, solo 401k, if you're you know, a business owner. So it can get confusing and we overuse these acronyms. You know, if you are You know, an employee that has a 401k through work, generally, it makes sense to contribute to the 401k up to the match. And then if your income is low enough to still be able to qualify to put money in a Roth IRA, max out the Roth IRA. And if you still have money to save beyond that, then go back and max out your 401k. Your 401k is pre-tax money, right? So it comes straight out of your paycheck. It lowers your taxable income, um, and then you you pay taxes when you take the money out in the future, right? At whatever whatever tax rates are going to be in the future, which we we don't know. The Roth IRA is money you have already paid taxes on, and then it grows tax free. And as long as you take it out, you 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 follow the rules and you take it out. in retirement, you do not pay taxes on it at all, right? And so you know, using both of those types of accounts is you, you get a gold star for.
1: One other sort of like age old question to pile onto that is,
0: is it better to save your money first or pay off your debt first? I'm a debt zealot. I'm very anti-debt. And some people feel more comfortable with some debt, Right but I'm definitely in the, you know, no debt except for your mortgage camp. And that's, it's, you know, trying to build wealth by saving and investing and paying off debt at the same time. Just like you're running up an escalator backwards, right? It is just like, it doesn't, you're not going anywhere. And so, you know, if you've got debt that is double digit interest rate, pay it off, right? Like get an extra job, right sell stuff on ebay pay off that debt as fast as possible if you have you know debt that's you know around 6% pay it off before investing some people have these you know have student loans or car payments that are at 1% that is less of a priority but any debt where you've got a huge balance where the interest rate is 6% or above absolutely make it a priority to pay it off but you should still Still get that employer match. Invest enough to get your employer match, but don't invest more until that debt is paid down.
2: It's interesting because, you know, I've been watching so many YouTube videos on this and I think it's like just a different way that you need to think about it. It's a new behavior because we're so accustomed to being raised going to school getting an education which is obviously extremely important for your future but also understanding that it's going to cost and you know once you get out of school then you have to get a job to help pay that debt off and you spend your entire career paying that debt off over time and so if you can kind of think about it as especially for younger kids who are getting right out of college with massive debt knowing the implications of how important it is to focus on it right out of college and not putting it off, you know, obviously, you know, it's easier for me to say now that I make more money, but even if you're little by little, you know, like I, I think about it when I was 23, making absolutely no money, even if I was putting 15, $20, just, you know, consistently over time. Now I would be looking back and, and probably in a, a much different position, which is why I think this episode is so important is because I want people to start thinking this way like I should have fifteen years ago, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. And I can, you know, the people I see who are really, you know, building wealth in their 30s, 40s, and 50s paid off their student loans early. Right. And so whether it's like you get five roommates, you know, in a two bedroom, you you know, you get a, a few extra jobs, you know, it early in your twenties, that is the time to do it right? Just get rid of that debt.
1: That is what I did. And I'm laughing, Ben, because my first job, I made $22,000 a year before taxes. So I really made probably like 17,000. I was so broke living in LA. And I remember my grandfather being like, you don't want to have debt, pay off your debt. I know it's hard to save, but just try to save money and try to pay off your debt. And I did. And like, I don't even know how I did it, but I'm so grateful that I did.
2: Yeah, it's just, it's something that someone should focus on immediately.
1: The more you know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's why we're doing this though. That's
1: right. That's right. Okay. Something that I really loved, Alex, that you talked about when I heard you speak was really about like financial considerations for the LGBTQ community. There's lots of different elements like domestic partnership versus married and just other things that maybe... People aren't thinking about, and I would love if you could share some of those nuggets of advice that I heard you talk about. Of what are the unique financial challenges, and what are the things to consider for the LGBTQ community in regards to finances?
0: Yeah, and this is this is something I really love to talk about. So, uh, you know, Charles and I are both queer. My wife and I got married. We've been married for close to twenty years. Congratulations!
2: Wow, that's amazing.
0: Thank you. I got married at twenty four. I did too. Did
1: you really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never thought I would, but I did.
0: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And and so it's like when we got married before gay marriage was legal, um, we had to, you know, we met with an estate planning attorney to put together all of the documentation that we had to, to replicate, you know, marriage. We had two kids before marriage was legal. All right. And so you know, it's really something that I care a lot about. And it's, you know, even with gay marriage being legal at the federal level, still only 10% of the LGBTQ plus population in the US is married. Right. So, you know, as a group, we save less, we spend more, we have less saved for retirement. And it's a lot of considerations to think about. And there's a lot of people that don't want to get married or you have mixed families, have you know, kids from different marriages, are getting married later in life, right? So it's just, it's more complicated. It's everything from, it, we have lack of family support and there's just these sort of systemic headwinds. One of the main things to really think about is is back to the values and goal setting, right? Is, you know, what matters to you and how do you set up your family structure in a way that, you know, that really makes sense. One of the things that we really see a lot is gay couples who think they can't get married, right? Who think that there are going to be negative tax implications or negative estate planning implications if they do get legally married. And you know, I'm not a tax advisor; I, you know, I don't give tax advice, but I do tell people, you know, go talk to a tax person, go talk to an estate planning attorney, right, and understand, you know, will it negatively impact your taxes? to get married and generally I've heard that it's not the case. We've had uh, several clients that you know have gone and gotten and been able to get married after meeting with a tax advisor and understanding you know better what their tax situation is. I think you know one of the big things that we have to plan for is is kids, right? So it is not you know in the LGBTQ+ plus community uh, it is rare to have kids on accident. Right? it is it's something we plan for. It's something that costs money. My wife had to adapt both of our kids, which was expensive, right? We had to go through the adoption process, meet with an attorney. Um, and if you're talking about surrogacy, uh, adoption, right those are big goals to save and plan for. Um, and it it's just it is different. And I think for my recommendation is that folks in the queer community, you know, meet with advisors that understand them, right? But, you know if you're gonna if you're gonna talk with an estate planning attorney, a tax person, a financial advisor, talk to somebody that specializes in and understands the community, right? You don't want to have to fill out paperwork that says dad and mom on it, right? In this day and age, right? So really talking with people that that get it, that understand it, that can kind um, of help help you break things apart and help you make decisions.
2: How can someone go about finding the right person to talk to? Is there a process or um, any tips that you can give, or is it really just kind of getting referred to the best types of people? Or how should someone approach that?
0: That is a great question. I wish I could just say off the top of my head that there was a website to go to to find people, but I think you know word of mouth is great, right? I often get asked for state planning attorney and accountant recommendations. So I think it's, you know, it's going to the people you trust, you know, going to those community centers and and asking where people have had a good experience.
2: Awesome. I also just think we came up with a business idea, Alex, that we should talk about offline.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Follow up. Noted. Yes.
1: Update. Update. I, I think those are all really valuable tips, and it's. I, I think this surrogacy piece, the adoption piece, is such an important one because those are really massive expenses. And I think it goes back to the whole idea of future you. What is future you want to do, and how do you think about saving for that now? And thankfully, I think a lot of companies are starting to provide a lot more like modern family planning benefits, but it seems like that's an area that's really lagging behind as far as benefits go. So
0: I think it's an important thing to highlight. Absolutely. You know, it is uh, it's just different and uh, you know it's great that there are some benefits to companies but yeah it's it goes back to you know being able to make choices and having financial freedom. It's a lot easier to think about surrogacy and parenthood being an option if you have paid off your debt, if you've built your emergency fund, if you're saving aggressively toward retirement the more expensive parenting seems much more possible when you have made, those choices in the beginning to really, you know, build up the financial foundation.
2: Yeah, no, I love that. I, what what I'm really taking away from this, honestly, is that anyone, you know, whether you're LGBTQ plus or, or straight, it doesn't matter really. It's important to just inform yourself in every way possible, you know, knowing that just because you don't think that you can go down this route of being married or being financially free, it's important that you just explore all of the options and soak up as much knowledge as possible, knowing that it's out there for you to get, to then actually make a real, you know, decision on how to move forward with your life. That's kind of the takeaway that I'm getting is educate yourself as much as possible and know that you can, no matter who you are or where you come from, you know, those resources are out there now more than ever. So that's kind of my biggest takeaway from this is, is educate yourself first.
0: Yeah. Educate yourself. And, you know, I think people feel like they're behind, Right. People feel self-conscious about their financial knowledge. Um, they're embarrassed about debt. They feel like you know they don't know enough. But it, you know the only place to start is where you are. It, this stuff is confusing, right? We didn't learn it in school. And so you just, you start where you are. You take one step at a time. You educate yourself. You try some things out. You break down societal norms by actually talking with your friends about money. Ask your friends how they're invested. Ask your friends what they're doing, right? And just keep going from there.
1: I love that. The only place to where, wait, I just butchered it. (laughs) The only place to start is where you are. I I love that. I think that is so true. And um, you're right. I think people do have this pressure that they're behind and everyone's ahead of them because everyone's paying attention to these surface level things. But yeah, you can start this at any time. And I think that's really empowering um, advice to share. I love that. Um, so if someone had an extra, th- like let's say someone just has the luxury of having an extra $1,000 available to them, what's the one thing they should do with it? So if I came to you and I
0: was like, Alex, I got a thousand bucks, what should I do? What would you tell me? It, this is, a, we're all gonna do something different and great with the $1,000, right? So this is this goes back to values and goals and where you're at. For one person, it might be helping a parent pay rent. It might be paying off their own debt. It may be putting money into a college fund. The right thing to do with it is going to be what matters to you about money and what are your goals. And the thing is like that happy thousand dollars does come to people, right? You get like your company IPOs, you get a bonus, um, you know, you have a mysterious uncle where you inherit money. So knowing ahead of time, you know what matters to you about money and what are your goals. So you actually, you do something that matters with that money when you get it.
2: That is awesome. That was not the answer that I was expecting whatsoever, but I think it really brings this episode full circle of the first thing that we talked about, which is money values and really just sitting down and changing your relationship with money, looking at it in a way of what's important with your life and how how do you want to spend your money to, to make those life decisions happen that's a very different way of looking at it rather than saying, oh, you need to go invest it into the S&P 500 or you need to put it into an IRA. Like it just comes back to what what's your values as a person. And that, that, that's just an answer I wasn't expecting at all, Alex. I think it's a very powerful way of kind of looking at it when you do get a bonus is what's important.
0: Yeah, there's just there isn't one right answer, which is part of what makes money a little bit more complicated. You got to know your numbers and you got to know what matters to you.
1: Ooh, know your numbers, know what matters to you. Ben is like getting jazzed over there. He's got tingles, I can tell.
2: (laughs) I'm so jazzed. Well, I'm so jazzed because, you know, I'm so into financial planning right now and investing and making sure I'm putting all my money in certain places. But to Alex's point, I actually haven't sat down and written my money values. And that's something that I don't think a lot of people, you know, a lot of the conversations I'm having these conversations with, Friends as well who are saying the same thing. Oh, I'm investing in crypto. I'm investing in new stocks, and you should check out this stock. But no one, I, the money values thing is is something that I think will this will be a very kind of powerful takeaway from this episode. So that's why I'm geeked. I love it.
1: I love it when Ben geeks and Alex. I, I think you've shared so many. Just really wonderful takeaways. And um, every time I hear you talk, I, I learn something new and different. And I'm sure people are wondering, yes, <laughs> you, are, you are just very approachable in how you talk about it. And that's what I love. I'm sure people are wondering if you are taking on new clients. So are you taking on new clients? And is that something you're doing actively right now?
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I work with clients all across the country. I really focus on working people with people that have complex financial planning needs, right? They've got questions that need to be solved. They're trying to figure out what to do with company equity. They're saving outside of their 401k. They're trying to figure out how to you know, minimize taxes in a smart way. And they want to align their money with their values, right? They want to have these sorts of conversations about how to put their money to work in a way that supports the life they want to build.
1: I love it. And where could people find you if they wanted
0: to get in touch with you? Oh, they can Google my name and my website is the first thing that shows up. So Alex Magner, A-L-I-X-M-A-G-N-E-R. Awesome. People are going to be Googling. I can,
1: I can tell already. (laughs) That's right. That's right. It's typing. Um, Ben, I know you could spend like five more hours on this, but, but shall but
0: shall we go into a speed round?
2: Let's do the speed round. Let's do the speed round. All
0: right, I'm ready for the speed round.
2: All right, so I will start. What did you want to be when you grew up?
0: I wanted to be a professional baseball player.
2: Ooh, okay.
0: A slight departure. A little bit different. (laughs) Right, everybody in my fourth grade class laughed at me. As you know, girls can't be baseball players, very sad. That's all changing fourth graders from the past.
1: Um, Who is your favorite financial expert?
0: I mean, honestly, my favorite financial expert is the person that I can ask questions of every day, which is my brother, Charles Curl. Oh, that's really sweet.
2: Okay. What's the worst investment you've ever made?
0: The worst investment I've ever made um, was probably not, was, was what I didn't do, which was not maxing out my 401k when I could have. Sorry, ma- not maxing out my Roth IRA when I could have. Oof. Yeah. Fair, 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 fair. Um, who
1: is your favorite billionaire? The former Mrs. Bezos. I'd have to agree, I, I'm, I'm feeling Mackenzie Bezos right now in the billionaire set.
0: <laughs> but also the founder of Spanx also, gosh, what's her name? Oh, yes, um, what is her name? I, I was looking at her. I was just reading about her and she's pretty awesome too.
2: What is your biggest goal for 2021?
0: So my biggest personal goals are, are always bike goals. I'm a, I'm a cyclist, uh, and so I've got an endurance bike event that I'm training for this year.
1: Nice. That's awesome. I guess kind of related, and maybe this will also be bike related, was what are
0: you doing when you're not working? I'm going to guess biking. I'm riding my bike very long distances early in the morning before my family wakes up.
2: How often do you do it?
0: Oh, right now, five days a week.
2: Wow. That's awesome. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received?
0: The best piece of advice I've ever received is, is probably from the president of the bike company that I worked for, which is that whenever you think you don't have enough time or money to do something, it's really just not a priority for you.
1: Oh, that's so good.
2: That is awesome.
1: Oh, I can think of that in so many different scenarios of my life. Absolutely. It's come back to me so many times. I love that. Um, We ask everybody this next question. The last two questions we ask everybody. um, Your favorite age so far?
0: 41. That The entry into the 40s was a lovely age.
2: Nice. I love that because I'm not in my 40s yet.
0: Ben, you're going to love 41.
2: I can't wait. I am going to hit you up, Alex. future Ben's gonna hit you up, and be like fuck yes 41 rules like Alex you were right you were right 41 is so great I agree I love it um okay last question it is a fill in the blank happiness is
0: happiness is the people that I share my life with
1: oh that's sweet and so true that's
2: all that matters
0: right even when I'm stuck inside the house with them for an entire year
2: (laughs) Woo. You
0: got that right, sister.
2: <laughs> oh, man.
1: Um, Alex, thank you so much for all of your financial wisdom. I think it's just nice to break down a topic that is really hard to figure out where to start, what to do. We Not all of us learned how to be good with our finances or had money or what to do with money. So I just think it's a such an important topic. And obviously one that
0: Ben loves. Look at him.
2: I loved. Thank you so much, Alex.
0: Absolutely. It was so much fun to talk with the two of you about this.
2: Like I said, I think this is going to be such an important episode for so many people, just with how many conversations I've been having. And Marta, I think there was so many great takeaways. Uh, you know, I, I I obviously feel like I'm continuing to kind of soak in all of this information and learning about financial planning and stuff but some of the things that Alex touched on I don't think you can really find just watching YouTube videos and you know the money values aspect to me is really really important and just changing your way of thinking about how you should approach your money and where you want to go for your life and you know especially thinking of yourself you know as a stranger and and not even thinking about that There's just so many different takeaways that I can just go on. Like we could have a part two of just you and me talking about all this.
1: We totally could. I agree. I love the concept of you have to visualize your future self versus a stranger. And the other takeaway for me, I love that flip um, that you said, Alex, which is not like saving for retirement, but when work is, is optional. Like that is such a great way to think about it. And I am absolutely going to, th- because work could be optional, not just when you retire, but different phases of your life, different moments in time. I just think that's such a smart way to think about it and feels much more realistic for some reason. Well, thank you for being on and being with us and people Google again, say how to spell your name so
0: people can find you when they googly you. Absolutely. So it's Alex, A-L-I-X, and then Magner m a g n e r look
1: her up and find her for more of those nuggets (laughs) all right well alex we so appreciate your time thank you so much for joining us and now i think we'll all be a little wiser with our money right
2: definitely definitely alex again thank you so much for your time i think this was super valuable and we'd love to have you back on the uh on the show again soon where i'll have a whole nother slew of questions but this is no doubt going to be a really, really big episode for us. So thank you so much for your time and your wisdom.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Marta. Thank you. We'll, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to how the F do I podcast the views expressed herein are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Morgan Stanley wealth management or its affiliates. All opinions are subject to change without notice. Either the information provided nor any opinion expressed constitutes a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Information contained herein has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but we do not guarantee their accuracy or completeness. Morgan Stanley, Smith Barney, LLC. Member SIPC.